Amen. Aren't you glad to be in God's house today? Man, I like it here. Aren't you glad I like it here? <laughs> I mean, I like it here. I don't just mean to hatch me. I just mean with you in God's presence, uh, hanging out together and worshiping the Lord and uh, just being excited about what he wants to do. God's doing a lot of things. Uh, I, well, that, that's kind of a dumb statement, isn't it? God's doing a lot of things, but he really is. He's always on the move. He's always doing something, and I just need to kind of get right with it this morning. I just say, good morning, church. Amen. I want to say thanks to Rich Rail and Chris Sparling for last week and kind of getting us all ready to go walk or run or watch other people walk or run or write checks to other people who walk and run. Whatever it may be the case, a lot of people are participating. We had 26 runners sign up. And so that's exciting. I mean, that's really exciting for our size. It's wonderful. And if you haven't already and you want to or you think you might want to, you might like, uh, hey, maybe I'll do that. You know, you can go ahead and register <laughs> and start stretching now, but it's a great time. It's a great thing to raise funds for to help clean water in Africa, and we do that through World Vision and our team, Tehachapi, uh, that uh, I think it's grown this year, so it's a good thing. But reading from the Word of God this morning, I would like to ask you to turn to Luke 17, Luke 17, 11 through 19, and uh, chapter uh, 17 verses 11 through 19. I'll leave you seated for just as we get going here. You know the story well. You've probably read it many times, and uh, leprosy seems to be something that we find throughout the Word of God. But here it is. It, it starts here in chapter or chapter 17, verse 11. While traveling to Jerusalem, while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed, Jesus, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered the village, ten men with leprosy met him. They, they stood at a distance and they raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. Uh, but one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. He wasn't really worthy was he. He was a Samaritan, second class. In fact, is in some places a dog. He was a Samaritan. Then verse 17, then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Were there not ten that were here? Where are the nine? Did any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, get up and go on your way. Your faith has saved you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks. Be to God. Amen. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for what it tells us, what it shares with us, how it wants to get into us, and it wants to change the way that we naturally are, Lord. We have to admit that in our naturalness, in our sometimes in our carnality, if that hasn't been dealt with, Lord, in that, we can tend to be kind of, I don't know, less than what you had planned for us. So we're thankful for how the word gets in us, and it begins to grow from within us, and it changes the way that we are. We can actually be loving, uh, thankful people. We're grateful to God for, for your plan, your word, and the Holy Spirit that dwells within us. We give you glory for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, in today's gospel reading, Jesus, he's moving again. Don't you always find Jesus just doesn't let grass grow under his feet? He's constantly moving. He's just moving around. He's got places to go, and he's got intersections to make. Jesus, he, he must be on the move. There's a destination that he is moving toward, but Jesus, he never stops with his encounters with others. Those continue to happen. On, on his journey, he's always meeting up with somebody, and he's sharing with them, and he's, he's healing them. He's telling them to go here or go there. 
there or, or go and sin no more. He, he's doing all these things. And, and there are those that are interested in, in meeting with him. They've heard about him. He's becoming famous, and, and they want, they're interested in meeting, and, and he's interested in meeting with them and ministering to them and feeding and healing and empowering them. Jesus is on the road again. I know, I know, it just kind of came up in my mind. But he's on the road again, and there are people who are moving toward him. Some of you aren't country fans. I hear you. But they're moving towards him. That's what people do when they hear about Jesus. And there are people that move towards him, and they are moving to him. There's a tremendous need within the context of this biblical culture that the people that live there, uh, there's pain and there's suffering that's going on. It's evident in God's word. There's hopelessness, there's sorrow, there's hunger and there's thirst, there's disease and there's infirmities. This is all going on throughout scripture that we we find. And, And the law or the authority of the day, it's dealing with all this dysfunction. It's swift and lands, it lands hard on those who are ailing. There's no hope, there's no cure, there's no real medicine per se to bring that kind of relief that's needed. Only alienation, separation, loneliness, fear, and disgust. We know and can understand this type of disdain in the day that we live. For those that are not like us, we come into contact with them on occasions. They'll work for food or sometimes they desire to wash our windshields that they might get a little of the change that we have in our cup holder. They smell different than we do, and they have a a, a stench that flows from their pores. They haven't bathed and they haven't showered, both physically or spiritually. There's no real bathroom for them anywhere, per se. They are someone that we usually don't go out of our way to give a hug or to embrace or to include in our lives. Often we will tend to look away. We'll think or comment under our breath, "Ah, they'll just drink that away if I give that to them. That they are where they are because they've decided to live that way. That's why they're where they are at. That's the worst case. Other cases are people that just seem to have a far off look in their eyes. Through circumstances that we cannot begin to number, they find themselves without family, without friends alienated from anyone who would usually care about their hopelessness, their pain, and their quiet suffering. There are also those who, through no abuse of their own, find themselves lonely and estranged from loved ones and family, alone through loss of loved ones, disheveled and longing for acceptance and fellowship. These are the intersections along the journey to the cross that Jesus is making. Where Jesus comes and encounters the needy and the marginalized, those without hope and without resource, without love and without care in their lives. These are the places that we, each of us, us followers of Jesus, have the opportunity to encounter Jesus. No matter where we find ourselves this morning, our lives can intersect with Jesus in a very powerful way that will bring us confirmation as to how and where God is most active and working in and through our lives. This is the place where Jesus meets up and says, where are your accusers? 
Or he'll say, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water that I give will never thirst again. That's an intersection with Jesus. Or perhaps from our text this morning, get up, go your way, your faith has saved you. In about three weeks, we'll have another opportunity for a fresh encounter. That's why I'm calling these pre-encounter Uh, this particular one, intersecting with Jesus. We're getting ready for our encounter services with Rob Songer. In fact, as we've called it that, encounter, going deeper, November 3rd through the 6th. Check your bulletin and see the TVs. It's going to be an awesome time. Rob's an, an amazing speaker. I get to hear him a couple times each year as we go out to district things. And I really enjoy hearing him. You've heard him here before also, but if you haven't, you, you won't want to miss it. It'll be powerful. So where do we find the intersections? How do we have these encounters with Jesus? How do we prepare or position our spiritual lives to be ready for the encounter with him? Where is it that we find these opportunities? Do we just show up to those services and say, okay, Rob Songer, impress me. You know what I mean? That's, that's not how we, we get ourselves ready. In this morning's text, geographically, This would be location. When we talk about how or where, how how do we get ourselves ready? Uh, Geographically on our Bible maps, Jesus, he's probably somewhere between Samaria and Galilee. And and the fact is, is that the text in the NIV, it says that while he's traveling along the border between Galilee and Samaria, we don't know exactly where this miracle occurred, but what Luke does consider important is Jesus' progress toward Jerusalem. He's heading towards his destiny, his destination, what he's planned and, uh, and is a part of what he, he's going to do for the world. And there's a village that lies somewhere between that border territory between Galilee and Samaria. So Jewish and Samaritan lepers, they all share their common misery out on the edge, somewhere on that border between, somewhere in between. Some of these will begin to make sense in just a few moments. I just find it true and, and very interesting that often where we find Jesus, even in our own lives, where we have intersection and encounter with our Savior, is often out on the edges of life, on the borders of our pain, where we quietly suffer or feel lost or estranged. It's in those places where Jesus comes to us and we meet him there. The miracle that happens here along the border between Galilee and Samaria, it's not like other miracles that we read in God's Word. It's quite different, actually. The miracle has an unusual twist to it. We, we've learned to expect Jesus along the way to heal somebody, uh, you know, to rub mud in his eyes or tell him to go wash or whatever. But, but here, it's very unusual. We, we, we expect that, but, but not here. Not here. The lepers who are the object of this amazing healing, they're, they're told to go and do something that's a bit unusual. You see, Jesus did not heal these people right on the spot like he often does. That's not what he did here. Jesus does something that seems a bit out of character. He tells these alien individuals to go, to go and show themselves to the priests. And it's not really so strange, though, because the instructions are in keeping with the Levitical instructions that are found in Leviticus 13, 1 and 2. It says, The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, When a person has on the skin of his body a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into a leprous disease on the skin of his body, he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest, or to one of his sons, the priest's. 
So this is in with keeping the Levitical law. But, but here you see Jesus, in instructing these ten lepers, he does so with the intention that they will be healed before they reach that destination. We should stop for just a moment and just realize that what it meant to be a person in the time of Jesus who had such a disease. In our world, we could only really make an analogy by looking toward like maybe the AIDS pandemic over the years since its diagnosis. Individuals with AIDS have been in many instances shunned and, and, uh, by family and by friends, by people around them. But as horrible as that may be, it barely compares to the way that the lepers were treated in biblical days. These poor people, they were forced to stand at a distance from Jesus or anyone else. They had to announce their sickness. How would you like that to be continuing on today? We're comfortable with saying, hey, listen, I have a cold or a flu, but how about everything else? How'd you like to have to yell that to everybody on your way into church this morning? I think HEPA would have a problem with it, maybe, but uh, it's very different for these folks. They have to yell and announce their sickness, and they had to do so loud enough so that no one would accidentally rub up against them or touch them in any way. Again, here we see the biblical instruction in Leviticus 13.45. The person who has the leprous disease shall wear torn clothes and and let their hair of his head be disheveled and and shall cover his upper lip and, and cry out, unclean, unclean. We can only imagine the way these poor and despondent people were treated. And of course, if they were treated poorly, if they were treated poorly, you you can understand and surely their families suffered just as much as well. As is usually the case, discrimination on any group of people casts a long and very broad shadow and it affects more than just the individuals that are at hand. It's safe to say that where we find the disenfranchised and the marginalized and the mistreated and the forgotten, well, we'll all suffer in some way when we find those within our society. Now imagine that you've suffered with the disease and Jesus, he recognizes your plea for healing and for mercy. And you are healed. A a miracle has happened in your life. Your life has quite literally been restored. And do you think that gratitude would be a natural byproduct of, of the miracle that happens for you that day? Wouldn't you be... Wouldn't you be terribly disappointed if nine out of ten of those that were healed around you simply walked away without as much as a, as a thank you? And who is it that takes the time to acknowledge this wonderful miracle? All the lepers must have believed that Jesus was capable of performing this miracle of healing, but the only one who takes the time to personally come back and thank Jesus is a despised Samaritan It is the Samaritan who has the genuine faith. Two men were walking through a field one day when they spotted an enraged bull. They ran for the nearest fence. The raging bull followed in hot pursuit. And it was soon apparent that they they wouldn't make the fence in time. (laughs) Terrified, the one shouted to the other, Put up a prayer, John. We're in for it. And John answered, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. But you must, his friend told him. The bull is catching up with us. All right, screamed John. I'll say the only prayer I know, the one my father used to repeat at the table. 
Oh, Lord, for what we are about to receive, make us truly thankful. (laughs) Don't you, as the Lord does here, find it interesting that only one returned thankful? Grateful for this life change that Jesus provided? All ten must have yelled, have mercy on us. All ten evidently received their healing as they traveled to the priest, but only one returns to the feet of Jesus to give thanks to the Lord for his mercy. Interesting that it was a Samaritan. The one that wouldn't know any better. That wouldn't truly understand the ramifications of what the Son of Man had just accomplished in his life. Perhaps the others were more educated in the law knowing that they must go and to show themselves to the priests, not just because Jesus said so, but because they must in order that they may return to their camp or their homes, their villages. There's a very lengthy ceremony that must take place. It's found in Leviticus in order to return to a community life and be deemed cleansed. It's amazing to me that so many, so many never give God the glory with the same fervor that we call out to him with our prayers and our petitions. Look at the Samaritan others. They all yell out loudly as they are instructed when someone is approaching their village or coming near them. They stand at a distance yelling out, have mercy. Certainly we would if we were such ailing going on in our lives and uh, such a disease. Have mercy on us, perhaps even yelling out, unclean, unclean, and And having their encounter with Jesus, their lives intersecting with his, they are now on their way to the priest. They're on their way when their healing occurs. And the one returns, and with a loud voice, just as loud as he yelled out, have mercy, and unclean, unclean, with a loud voice, have mercy, unclean, unclean. The one that is healed, the one healed leper, he returns to Jesus with another loud voice and he gives glory to God. He falls at the feet of Jesus in praise and thanksgiving. A question for us today might be, do we give God his due praise and glory with his just as much fervor and loud crying out as we do our prayers and petitions for the things that we need in our lives today? With that, I want to share with you There's probably more, but I stopped at five. Five ways through the story of the ten lepers that we position ourselves for an encounter with Jesus, our lives intersecting with Jesus. In your bulletin today, as was shared before, you'll find the outline and the the notes there. Number one, we encounter Jesus in his moving. We encounter Jesus as he moves towards us. Look at Luke 17, 11, the first part there. While traveling to Jerusalem. This is Jesus. He's traveling uh, in between Jews, uh, Samaria and, and uh, Galilee. Thank you. I got hung up on Jerusalem. But while he's traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between, well, it's right in front of me. He passed between Samaria and Galilee as he entered a village. You see, it's while traveling. And, and, and Jesus is passing by. Jesus is in between where he, he's been and where he's moving towards. And, and his movements always have purpose. Jesus is never static in our lives. He's moving toward us. He's navigating our situations in life in such a way as to position us 
in the best place possible to hear his voice and that we could respond to his movements and the receiving of his mercy. He's working on that now as he navigates uh, his presence in our lives. It is within our nature to hide from God, to not be in the word, to not... To not want to pray because of our sins, sensing rejection, or not wanting to be judged. But, but you see, Jesus, he's not afraid of our failures. He didn't go to that camp because they were worthy. He's not burdened with our shortcomings. fact is, in our sh- falling short, in our sin, that puts angst between us and him. He's moving our direction. He doesn't run from us. We run from him. He's coming towards us. He's never running from us. We read in Luke 19.10, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. He's looking for us. He says, turn around, I'm right here. Don't worry about how you feel about what you've done or haven't done or how you've missed the mark. He says, turn around, I'm right here with you. Matthew 18.12 says it this way, What do you think? If any man has a hundred sheep, And one of them has gone astray. Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go and search for that one that is straying? You see, our God, he's not static. He's not in a static situation. He isn't isn't hanging out in the glorious forevermore, watching us muddle through life. Just wanting us to pursue him waiting on that. He's pursuing us. He's coming to us. He's looking for us. And you know what he's looking for? He's looking for true worshipers, the type of people who will worship him, who will praise him, who will shout loudly with their voices in their lives. Praise be to God who gives life and breath and in whom we live and move and have our being. John 4, 23 says this way, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for such people the Father seeks to be, by, to be his worshipers. You see, God is coming to us. He's seeking us. His movements are toward us, not away from us. It's true, we encounter Jesus in his moving, and he is moving toward us. But number two, we encounter Jesus in our coming. We encounter Jesus in his moving, but we encounter Jesus, number two, in our coming. And you'll find that on the screen. I even put them there for you if you don't have your notes. We encounter Jesus in our coming. Look at Luke 17, 12. As he entered a village, ten men with leprosy met him. They stood at a distance. You see, when we are in dire places of great need, when we have been cut off, alienated from people we love or things that give us life, when when we are outcasts and we do not fit in, we will go in search of answers. We'll look for happiness in many places. Many of us can attest to that. We'll attempt at making our own way. We'll jump through uh, and try all sorts of things. And God has already been moving our direction, ready to, to meet us. In, in pretty normal ways, sometimes even extraordinary ways, places and moments in our lives, but he is coming to us and we have encounter with, we intersect 
with Jesus when we meet him, when we meet him as he's coming to us. When we move from the couch to his word, when we get outside of ourselves and serve others, when in our desperate need we find that he was already on his way to us when we love and serve others. Chris Rice gives great advice to those who need to come to Jesus. He says, sometimes the way is lonely and steep and filled with pain. So if your sky is dark and pours with rain, then come to Jesus. Come to Jesus, come to Jesus and live. We come to him. Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. We could use some rest from the weariness of the day, from the weariness of what's the matter, from the Political things on television, the weariness of the day. Some of you quit watching TV, didn't you? You said, I ain't watching any more of that. Go watch a Mighty Mouse or something because you remember him. Here he comes to save the day. You know, he wants to. We encounter Jesus, number one, in his moving moving in our direction and seeking us. And number two, we encounter Jesus in our coming. As we meet him and move in his direction, we cry out, unclean. Lord, I'm not worthy, unclean. Jesus, have mercy on me. We know that we have missed the mark. We know that nothing that we do can make up for our separation, our alienation. But thanks be to God as we come to him, he's already been coming to us and he offers a drink from his living water. Revelation 22, 17 says, The Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let the one who hears say, Come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires to take the water without price. And this offer is to all without price. He says, To come to him and drink. Revelation 21, 6 Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of living water. You see, the only requirement in coming to Jesus is thirst. It's the only requirement. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to change your shoes or your socks. You just have to be thirsty. Without thirst, the free water of life will not be attained. The psalmist says, as the deer pants For the water brooks, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. You see, we intersect with Jesus. We encounter him when we come to Jesus, and those who come to Jesus will drink, and they will be satisfied. And number three, we encounter Jesus through our obedience. Through our obedience. Look at the text there in 17, again, verse 14. When he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were going, they were cleansed. How beautiful it is when we get this part right in our walk with God. It's in our everyday obedience, following the master that we intersect with him. Jesus, as we are coming And going, it's in truly walking in obedience that we experience God's miracles in life. It's while we're on the way 
Those are always the places that happens. I was going over there the other day. I was in the store just the other day, and I ran into. It's in those places that we experience God's miracles in life. It's while we're on the way, in our going, while we're serving, loving, at work or school or while we're at play or on vacation or even staycation that we often see. You know what staycation is, don't you? That's where people go that don't get to go on vacation. They just stay home and staycation at home. But we can even experience God along the way in that, intersecting with Jesus as we go to the store, as we go get our oil changed, as we go to the donut store on Tuesday mornings. Talk about that in a minute. I'm sure you remember the story. There's a fellow that was stuck on a rooftop during a flood. He's praying to God for help. And soon a rowboat came by. The fellow shouted at the man on the roof, Jump in, I can save you. The stranded man shouted back, No, it's okay. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. Then a motorboat came by. Water's getting higher. The fellow on the motorboat shouted. He says, Jump in, I'll save you. And the man shouted back up, No thanks. I'm praying to God and he's going to save me. I have faith. Then a helicopter came. Because now the water's up above the roof. He's standing knee-deep in water, and the helicopter came by, and the pilot shouted, Grab the rope, and I'll pull you up. To this, the stranded man replied, No thanks. I'm praying to God, and he's going to save me. I have the faith that he will. So the helicopter reluctantly flew away. Soon the water rose above the rooftop, and the man drowned. He went to heaven. Just barely. <laughs> He finally got his chance to discuss this whole situation with God, which at that point he exclaimed, I had faith in you, but you didn't save me. You let me drown. I don't understand why. And to this God replied, I sent you a rowboat, I sent you a motorboat, and a helicopter. What more did you expect? <laughs> you see, I believe that the Lord is very active in our lives each and every day, but we can't stay on the roof. When he says go, we cannot remain static in our faith walk. No matter where we find ourselves in our, in our physical lives, whatever it may look like, we can't stay static in that faith. We must obediently move out, go, get ourselves into really living in Christ with others. We can't just wait it out, waiting for our perfect opportunity, the opportunity that we would prefer. We'd intersect with Jesus. We, we encounter him when we are obedient to his words. And when he says, go, show yourselves, the ten lepers, there was no discussion. Jesus said, go show yourselves to the priest. And the very next line says, and while they were going. It doesn't say after a strategic meeting or after further contemplation, they left. It just says that while they were going, they were healed. You want to see healing in your life? Whether that be physical, emotional, financial, or any other type of healing, if you really want to see it, get off the roof. When God says go, go, take the raft, get hoisted into the helicopter, get into the boat, Swim, for goodness sake. But whatever or however you travel, in obedience, go. Well, we encounter Jesus in his moving. We encounter Jesus in our coming. And we encounter Jesus through obedience. And number four, we encounter Jesus while going. I've already touched on this, so I won't belabor the point any further. But often 
what we are waiting for, what we are praying and fasting about, the answers will come in the going. Jesus was always telling those around him to go. Go and wash in the pool. Go ye in all the world and preach. Go and sin no more. In another leprosy story in 2 Kings, there was the healing of Naaman. And Naaman was a great man, captain of an army for King Aram. And he was respected, but he was a leper. Another leper. So Naaman, it says in verse 9 of 2 Kings, verse 5, it says, So Naaman came with his horses and his chariots, and he stood at the doorway of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh will be restored to you, and you will be clean. But Naaman, Naaman was furious. And he went and he said, Behold, I thought, he surely, he will surely come out to me and stand and call me by name the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and cure the leper. So he turned and went away in rage, it says in verse 12. And then his servants, they were level-headed folks. (laughs) His servants came near and spoke to him and said to him this, my father, had the prophet told you to do some great thing, would you have not done it? How much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. You want to do the great thing. You don't want to do the silly thing. Just go down and wash seven times. And he's furious. But you'll do the big thing. So what did he do? In verse 14, he went down and he dipped himself seven times in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. You see, go doesn't always make sense. It doesn't seem like it'll have any effect on what we face or the situation we find ourselves in. We say, get up and go. Get off the roof and go. We say, well, what good that will do? I don't know if that's going to do it. We've already planned not getting what God is maybe promising to us. Well, I don't feel like doing that. Doesn't seem like it'll have any effect on what we're facing or the situation we find ourselves in. But this is the point. Our obedience to God is key. It's often in the going as he leads. It's in the going that we find the healing that we're looking for. It may not seem so at the time. We might ask or we might first, we might walk away furious, wanting our healing to to come the way we prefer it to come. Do we ask for things of God the way we want them or the way he wants them? Intersecting or encountering Jesus is to walk in obedience. It's here in the obedience that we will find healing and salvation. And lastly, number five, we encounter Jesus when we are thankful. When we are thankful. Look again at 17, verses 15 through 19. It says, but one of them, just the one, the one that you wouldn't think so, the one that's an outcast, the one that's a dog, the one that is not accepted. We can identify with the Samaritan. Are you getting that part? And unless you already know that you're, you're privileged or you have special standing, the Samaritan represents the one that's alienated and outcast and has no, no place here. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet thanking him, and he was a Samaritan. A Samaritan. 
And then Jesus said, we're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Did any return to give? It's rhetorical. Did any return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, he said, get up and go your way. Your faith has saved you. Where were the nine? We're not ten healed, yet only one returned. It doesn't even appear that the one that returned ever made it to the priest. For while he was going during his journey, he saw that his, his desire from Jesus and by walking obedient toward, forward, that his healing had come. He had done what was asked of him, and, and the healing had come. And thankfulness overwhelmed him. It overwhelmed him. He could not walk any further. He had to return. Forget the, the priest. i got to go back. He had to give thanks. There was no other choice but to praise the one whom all blessings flow. I feel another song coming on, but it won't, it won't be that one. It'll be this one. It's an old imperial song that we used to sing back in the day. Praise the Lord. He can work through those who praise him. Praise the Lord. For our God inhabits praise. Praise the Lord. For those chains that seem to bind you serve only to remind you that they drop powerless behind you when you praise him. When you're thankful. And when you praise him, when we are thankful and when we praise him, you know the, the, what, what the, the nine missed out on? The nine that just kept on going to see the priest? Let me say it this way. You might want to write this one down. It, it, I highlighted it. Not everyone that is healed is saved, but everyone that is saved is healed. Not everyone that is healed is saved. The other nine didn't get that said to them. Your faith has not healed you. Your faith has saved you. People of God today, give thanks unto the Lord. Call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the people. I'll give you a few scriptures. Praise ye the Lord. Oh, let's give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy doth endure. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, his courts with praise. Give thanks to his name. Bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generation. That's Psalm 104 and 5. Psalm 717, I will give the Lord, I will give to the Lord the thanks due to his righteousness and I will sing praises to the name of the Lord, O Most High. Colossians 3.15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body. And what? Be thankful. Psalm 100, verse uh, 103, verse 1 through 5. <laughs> Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. I could use some good old youthy eagle renewal this day. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. People of God today, may we never forget that we encounter Jesus when we are thankful. That through thankful living, there is thankful giving. Let's be a thankful people. There's much to grumble about in the world that we live today, but there is so much more to give thanks to God for. Encounter him today with a thankful heart. Today in closing, I'm going to do something quite different. 
We're going to sing a song in a minute. But we have an opportunity to get off the rooftop. It's always going to cost us something. <laughs> you already got it. it. It costs us to get off the roof and to walk in thanksgiving to God on behalf of someone else. There's a young man named Giovanni. He works out at Carlos's Donuts, where we get our donuts from every morning, one of the places. This last week, before last Sunday, I think it was on Sunday, on their way up from Bakersfield, him and his sister were in the car because they both work at Carlos's Donuts, and he fell asleep, and he went over the edge of the mountain and rolled the car. He came away pretty unscathed. His sister cracked a vertebrae, and I think she broke a rib, and she's in a, a brace for a while. Goose and our students on Tuesday mornings before they go to prayer, they go to Carlos's Donuts and they buy donuts. And Goose has been encouraging our students to say hi to Giovanni and get to know these young people and uh, kind of witness a little to them, let them know that who they are and where we're from and what we're trying to do. They, they get donuts and then they come to church on Tuesday morning and they have prayer. Anywhere from 6 to 15 of our students are meeting every Tuesday morning to have prayer together. Isn't that wonderful? And, and Carlos's Donuts. That, that makes it even better, right? But they've been trying to witness to this young man and and we talked about it in the staff meeting. He told his car, so he's looking for, I think he called it just transportation this morning. I, I talked to him this morning. And we talked about it in the staff meeting this week. And we felt that we who have so much might be able to bless this young man and his sister. It's with a grateful heart and thanksgiving to God that we seek to bless him and to help him towards getting a new vehicle. This is how we get off the roof today. If, if God impresses that on you, there's never an arm twist with us. We're going to receive an offering. And Tuesday, I'd like for our teens to take him an envelope that says, there's a people that heard about what happened to you, and they want to help. I'm going to ask my ushers to, to just do, do a quick offering again. Once again, if God doesn't impress it on you, doesn't mean you're bad, doesn't mean, I, we only want as God impresses us, and whatever that is is exactly what Giovanni will need for whatever he's trying to find. He has no idea that we're doing this, but I'd like our teens to be able to take that in on Tuesday and say, hey, we just want to bless you as a church. And so I'm going to pray, and we're going to send the plates around. We're just going to sing, give thanks with a grateful heart. And as we do, and as the plates make their way past you, you'll be dismissed. And walk in obedience, knowing that we're going to intersect, intersect with Jesus. This is how we encounter Jesus, as we get outside ourselves. And on our going, in our going, we, we find our healing. We find our salvation. Father, we thank you and praise you for this day. We thank you that we, as a people, have the opportunity to impact a life for you. We don't know where it will go. We don't know what kind of impact it will make. But it really doesn't matter because you are the God of all the increases. So, Lord, whatever it does, we'll trust you with it. But, Lord, would you just lead us as we give to this, this not a cause, this young man. Bring healing on his sister, this young little gal that's suffering right now. We just pray that you would bless her and that she'd know of your touch. 
And we thank you for the opportunity to give this day once again. In Jesus' name, amen. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. Give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks to the Holy One. Give thanks because he's given Jesus Christ, his Son. Father, thank you for these, your people. Thank you for their obedience to you. And as we are obedient in our going, Lord, we pray that we would intersect with you this week. Would you prepare our hearts as we long for the encounter, services with Rob, Lord, that we would go deeper and know you to a greater degree than we ever have before. We thank you for these, your people. While we are perhaps suffering or ailing, Lord, we pray that we would, that we would go and know of your healing touch in whatever it is that we need. We thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us today. We give you praise. Bless us as we go from this place in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.